Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you going through the Bible in the year. No judgment. How many of you are doing the Bible in a year? Yes. Okay. If you haven't started, I know sometimes thinking about starting and we're already, you know, midway through January, just pick up where we are. I really want to encourage you because I, I loved just reading about all the men and women of the Bible and the lives they lived, the favor, the blessing, the supernatural things that they experienced despite the crazy challenges and circumstances they face. So it's just been, I've just been um, thinking a lot about that, like the level of blessing that these individuals in the Bible experience. And when I've been reading the stories, it's, I, I trace, you can trace it all back, the blessing, the favor, the supernatural acts of God to one thing. And then I started to think about my own life. I'm like, the level of favor and the blessing and the supernatural, miraculous things that have happened in our life, when you actually break it down, you can trace it all back to one main thing. And so before I share what that one main thing is um, that we all have the ability to do and accomplish in our lives, I have to first acknowledge uh, the power of God and his transformational work that he has done in my life and so many of our lives. And that's why, you know, we're here today. So I, I, I actually have a very practical yet powerful message to bring, but I cannot... I do not want to just diminish the supernatural power of God making, being made manifest in our lives. And I was reminded of it again just even last week, and I believe it was at this service that Pastor Mike Maiden um, you know, was giving prophetic words, and he prophesied a few things over Pastor John and I. And then he said this to me. He said, the devil intended by the time you were 45, you would have lost your mind. But here you are with the mind of Christ. And right when he said it, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. Like I'm 45 years old right now. And it, I, I just thought about my upbringing, the things I experienced growing up, like the, the trauma, the generational curses that were passed down through my family line to me, the demonic spirits of oppression that tormented my mind with anxiety and depression, with dark thoughts. I suffered from spirits of infirmity where no doctor could explain what was wrong with me. And I realized all of that, God, God took care of. All of that. God supernaturally delivered me from. So yes, that was my experience, but God, but God. So I can never and will never diminish the supernatural power of God that has literally saved our lives. It has saved my life. That's why I'm here today, because of the supernatural grace and mercy of God and the power of God being made manifest in my life. And that's why we always will be a church of the word the word of God, but we will also always be a church of power because without it, like I said, I wouldn't be here and some of you wouldn't either. And we have to stay 
committed to the fullness of the gospel message that includes deliverance and freedom and power and miracles and transformation, if we do not operate in the fullness of the gospel message and those things, we risk like fading into just a religious organization that has intellectual messages, uh, behavior modification teaching, and that will never, ever fully transform your life. Like, we can never risk to fall into that trap. So I'm not going to diminish the supernatural power of God, and that's why I'm standing before you today. But when I reflect upon a lot of the miracles that have taken place in my life and in our lives, and the favor and the blessing that we live under every single day of our lives, we can trace it back to that one main, main thing. And that one main thing is obedience obedience. The title of my message this morning is underrated obedience. You know, because you know, think about it, the miracles, the supernatural, that gets all the street cred. I'm like, wow, obedience should have a lot of street cred because all of those things are traced back to acts of obedience. Like that's where it begins. So I'll speak for myself. Obedience has not always been easy. Have I always been obedient? No. We have been, we have been disobedient and, and things, we made a mess of things in our lives. But I will tell you this, any good that is in our lives can be traced back to obedience to God. It's not because, you know, all these good things happen to us because we're so special or, you know, that we haven't made mistakes or we happen to have the name pastor in front of our name. That means nothing. Like we are not gifted supernaturally to leave, lead a Christian life just because we have the title of pastor. We have the exact same sin nature as everybody else. We have the same struggles and challenges and temptations that everybody else has in this life. You know, and Pastor Jurgen, I think, says we may have a gift to preach or to minister, but we don't have a gift to live the Christian life. We have to be obedient to the word of God just like everybody else does to experience the blessing and the favor and the supernatural. Amen? Amen. We all have the same opportunity. So underrated obedience. Underrated means to not value high enough. And so I pray we will highly value obedience by the end of this morning's message. So are you ready? Like, are you really ready? Because it's about to get serious. Okay? I need you to brace yourself. I need to brace yourself for the sting. There'll be hard moments. I want you to brace yourself for the stories. And I really want to brace yourself because if you apply these things, your life is about to accelerate into passive abundance and blessing. Yes, so, so like I said, you know, as much as it depends on us, we will continue to believe and operate in the supernatural and believe that miracles will take place in every single area of our life. But I will say this, I don't believe we would need so many miracles if we just lived obedient to Jesus Christ. And the supernatural shouldn't need to solve every problem that we have. A lot of problems we have can be solved by just being obedient to Jesus Christ. You know, if I'm being honest, I hear a lot of interesting things and I, and I see a lot of unwise decisions being made, yet the people that are saying these interesting things and doing these interesting things still have this language that alludes to the fact that they still expect God to come through for them 
in everything that they want and everything that they desire. God is not a genie in the bottle. The Bible says he rewards those who diligently seek him. I was having a conversation with a young woman from another church. Um, she was in her 20s, and she was, you know, a Christian. Um, I, she may have owned a Bible. I'm not sure. But they're really, and you know, and she attended church on a somewhat regular basis. However, when you really looked at her life, there was really no area of her life that was surrendered to Jesus Christ. I mean, she was living her own way. She was living in the world. Um, there was no... Uh, prayer life or believing in the truths that the Bible talks about, um, just lots of partying and relationships with interesting um, men. And, you know, I was just chatting with her and I was just trying to encourage her that God had so much more for her life. And I started to talk about the plans and the purposes that he had for her if she would just step into them. And I, and I just made the comment, one day God has an amazing godly man set aside for you. And she was like, well, he better And it was just by the grace of God that I did not respond in that moment. Because <laughs> I was just like, in my heart, I was like, wow, whoa, you just said that. <laughs> you know, and, and I, was just, I was just like, oh my gosh, I was hit with the reality that she does not, like so many of us don't understand that there is a premise to the promise. There are paths that lead, there's paths of obedience that lead us to the dreams and the desires that we want, the blessing and the favor and the miraculous that we want to live under. But she was not on the path that was going to take her to that destination. You don't just keep continually and, and choosing to go down the wrong path and think that without any repentance or surrender, God's just going to pick you up and, and, and put you on the path of the, of the abundance of obedience. That's not how it works. We have to choose to be obedient to Jesus Christ. We cannot live carelessly and recklessly without repentance and believe we're still entitled to the miracle, the favor, the blessing of God just because we are Christians. I know it isn't easy to hear, but if you're living that way, you're calling yourself a Christian, but you really aren't surrendered to Jesus Christ and areas of your life are in full disobedience. And for some reason, you find yourself being angry and disappointed in God for not coming through. I need to tell you today that your emotions are misdirected and misplaced. And I want to encourage you. Like I, this, this is an encouragement. This is like an imploring. This is a pleading. If you are that individual, please do not disparage the name of Jesus Christ. Don't disparage the name of Jesus Christ by accusing him of not being good or faithful or failing you or causing you pain. Because we really have to ask ourselves, is it us that has been unfaithful to him? And haven't we brought about this own pain on ourselves? You know, John and I, Many of you, if you've been here, know the story. In our late 20s, we had a lot of money coming in, and we purchased 13 homes in a very, very short period of time. Um, and to be honest, like as we were doing this, there was a little bit of anxiety. Um, I started to lack peace about what we were doing. Um, and if we're being honest, we, didn't, we were Christians, but we didn't seek wise counsel. We were young, and we were ambitious. 
And many of you know how the market crashed. And many of the homes we purchased were unfinished homes being built. But since the market crashed, the builders failed on their completion of the building. So we started having to pay on 13 loans without finished houses that you could rent to help supplement the income to pay 13 mortgages. And in a very short period of time, we watched our bank account go from $300,000 down to $200. And we had two babies in 12 months. We lost everything. And it took us eight years to fully recover. Eight years to fully recover. And I want to tell you two things about that season of our lives. We never once blamed God. God had nothing to do with it. We didn't consult him. We didn't ask him. It was our own unwise choices that got us into that mess. It was not God's fault for the consequences of disobedience that we had to live in for eight years while we recovered. But the second thing I want to tell you about that season, despite our disobedience to God by doing those things that we did without consulting him, we repented we humbled ourselves and we looked to God and wise counsel to recover and rebuild our lives. And we worked freaking hard. We didn't just have our jobs, we did side hustle. I remember John taking a job to clean up a work site to make 20 bucks an hour to bring in more income for the family. I, while I had two babies at home, I couldn't necessarily go and, and and have a full-time job. So I had to put my hand to something so God could bless it. And so I started making hair bows. You OGs would remember Victoria Babies. Yes. Victoria Babies. That was the name of the business that I started. And I would sit there till 1 a.m., 2 a.m. sometimes making headbands and hair clips for little girls to purchase at little shows and, and little events that I would pay a registration fee to try to sell my hair bows and headbands. Can I tell you that that was probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life, living at the top of our game, having more money than we knew what to do with, and now I was hustling to sell a $4 hair clip. And I remember when people would walk by that I knew, I mean, it may, maybe it was wrong for me to feel this way, but I was so embarrassed. I'm like, here I am like trying to convince this mom to buy a $4 hair clip or a $7 hairband, and there are these people that I knew that walked by, and I was just like working it to do whatever I could to make that money. It was humbling, but it was the making of us. Because you have to do what you have to do. You can't just expect God to do everything. Put your hand to something so he can bless it. And I remember in that season... I, I hustled hard, and we, I think it balanced out to I made about $800 for a couple years of me doing that, and it always paid for our gas money and a lot of our grocery money, and that's time where we needed that money the most. So we, despite our disobedience, God blessed everything that we put our hand to as we were working hard, and I can't tell you the amount of moments that we experienced financial miracles in those eight years while we're recovering everything that we had lost. We didn't blame God. We repented and we trusted him. And we sought wise counsel and we became obedient to his past that led to full recovery and blessing. Amen. Amen. So I understand, yes. You know what? Yeah, clap for God. God is amazing. He did so many amazing things those eight years. 
So I understand it's not popular to talk about the consequences of disobedience, nor is it a fan favorite to talk about the blood, sweat, and tears that may go into you sacrificially being obedient. But it's those very things that will position us for the blessing and the favor and the supernatural that we, we desire. So I don't mind being unpopular for one church service <laughs> in January of 2023 if I can get us all to the place where we're living our Ephesians 3.20 and our John 10.10 lives. And if you don't know what those scriptures say, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Exceedingly abundantly above. God just doesn't want us to have abundant lives. He wants to have abundantly above kind of lives. John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. <clears throat> But I have come that they may have life, and they have it more abundantly. So primarily, we're going to talk today about obedience. But we may have to visit a couple other areas, because I think it's difficult to talk about obedience without first talking about faith. Because it's going to take some faith to act in obedience to what God has called us to do. And then it's hard to talk about obedience without talking about our works or our actions, because the Bible says faith without works is dead, because obedience requires our action. But none of the faith and the obedience and the works would come if we first don't trust that God is good. So let's start by talking about how we can trust our Heavenly Father. And I have to quickly do this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think trusting God is a really difficult topic to deal with quickly. But I'm going to try to challenge the one big question that surrounds trusting if God is good. That if God was good, why do bad things happen? If God is good, why do bad things happen? If God's so good, good, shouldn't he just prevent bad things from happening? Why can't he just stop all the bad things from happening or people doing bad things to us? Did you know that God actually never said that he would be the great preventionist? God said that he'll never leave us or forsake us and that he has plans to give us life and life abundantly. But God actually promises there will be trials and tribulations in this life because there is sin in the world. God promises to do the exact opposite. He promises that we will be entitled to having our free will to choose. And so God doesn't want robots. He wants us to choose rightly, freely. But the interesting thing about our free will is that we want our free will to choose rightly or wrongly, yet we want him to intervene on everybody else's free will when they're going to do things that will harm us or hurt us, right? That's what we're asking God to do. Don't violate my free will, but violate theirs. And it can't go both ways. So I want to tell you today that the terrible things that happen in this life are not God's will. They're a result of people's free will. And it's terrible teaching when you hear things like that everything happens is God's will. It is the biggest lie. 
It is the biggest lie. And why I get so angry about this lie that everything that happens is God's will because it's that lie that makes people doubt God's goodness or his nature or his character. It is that lie that prevents people from trusting God, which then prevents them from being obedient to God, which then prevents them from having blessing and favor and the miracles that they long in their life. That very lie destroys people's relationship with God and then therefore destroys their blessed destiny. So we need to break the power of that lie over our lives. Do you know God cannot, he cannot and does not arrange things for bad, he cannot arrange bad things to happen. It'd be against his very nature. Because the Bible tells us in James 1.17 that only good and perfect gifts come from above. So if it's not good, it is not from God. And remember what the Bible says in John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But God has come to give us life and life abundantly. So whose fingerprints are on what happened to you? Did the things that happened to you steal from you to try to kill your life and destroy your life? Or did it give you life and life abundant? Could you have possibly believe that God was the author of your trauma, of your pain, of your disappointments, of the hurt, of the heartache, of the sickness, and you believed it was him and you signed his signature to those things, yet it had the devil's fingerprints all over it. The author of those things is not God. It is the devil. Could we have wrongfully accused God as not being good when he had nothing to do with the bad things that happened to us. And that is a lie. If you have come into agreement with the lie that God caused those bad things to happen, there is no way you'll be able to trust him, to obey him, and to be faithful to him. So that is a lie. If you believe that lie is a lie that you need to break the power of in your life. Let me just, let me just pray for everyone right now. If you, you were taught these things, if you came into this place and you thought God caused these bad things to happen to you and he was the one that caused you pain, if you would allow me to pray to break the agreement of that lie over your life so that you can experience the fullness of Jesus Christ and all the blessing that he has for you. If that's you, let me just see your hands so I know who to pray for. We had probably 100 people lift their hands at the eight. 30 service. I had to break this lie over my life. So just lift your hands. Yes, more hands are going up. There's nothing to be ashamed of. These are things that we've been taught and without knowing we've believed. Oh, and they've jeopardized our future and our destiny. God, I thank you right now for the truth because it is the truth that is gonna set people free. God, I thank you for every single person in here that has acknowledged that they have believed a lie, that they've been deceived to believe that you are not good and that you are not faithful and you are the author of their pain and their trauma. And I break the power of that lie right now in Jesus' name. And I silence every voice of the devil who has wrongfully accused, that has wrongfully accused God when it was his signature, that it was his fingerprints all over the trauma and the pain that has been caused them. So God, I break the power of the lie and the curse that that carries. And I declare right now that they are being redeemed in their thinking. They're being restored in their heart, God, knowing God in this moment, remind them that you are good. Reveal to them that you are loving, that you are faithful, that you will never fail them, that you have only good plans for their life. Father God, that they would leave here today knowing who you truly are and how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Amen.
I want to quickly address faith, which is also difficult to do. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is having the ability to, to believe that God will do what he said he was going to do even when you can't see it. So I'm not going to actually talk about that side of faith. I want to break another lie that has, that has been taught wrongly to the church. Have any of you ever heard someone say, if you just would have had more faith, they would have been healed. If you just have had more faith, you would receive the blessing. If you just would have had more faith. That perverts what God intends for the word faith. I need to tell you today that we don't put our faith in our faith. That's like saying we're going to do it. We're putting our faith in our faith. And our faith's going to bring about everything. Like, we put our faith in God. God is the one who's going to accomplish the impossible in our lives and bring the faith or bring, bring the breakthrough in our lives. We put our faith in God, not faith in our faith. And the Bible talks about in Matthew 17, 20 through 21, it says that even if we had faith the size of a mustard seed, which is so tiny, uh, that size faith is enough for God to do the impossible. That's what the Bible says. And there are so many scriptures in the Bible where it never talks about a person's faith that received a miracle. It actually talks about another person's faith that, had, that brought about the miracle and the person that didn't even believe. Like, there is a lot of things that God can do with someone's faith. I don't want to diminish faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But, but the devil has perverted faith to make people take responsibility for things that are not their responsibility. And then they struggle to believe in faith because what if I fail again? Wow. Yeah. I want to ask this question. Would you have taken the credit for the miracle if it happened? No. So why are you taking the blame when it didn't happen? Lord, I pray right now, God, for every single person where that word faith has been perverted in their minds, their word faith has been distorted. God, I release them from every burden that they've carried, thinking that, that what has happened is their fault because they didn't have enough faith. I break the power of that lie in their lives so God that they can believe again they can believe Father God believing in faith to receive the miraculous to believe for the impossible to go for things in this life that will bring forth your blessing and favor so God we thank you that you're restoring what true faith is faith in you your goodness and your faithfulness not our works in Jesus name amen so now that we've cleared those up, <laughs> let me tell you a story. <clears throat> I'm going all the way back to 1999. Yeah. I was a grown adult then. 1999. I've been dating someone for four years. <laughs> for those listening on podcasts, my husband just booed. Dated a, a Christian guy for four years. He was a good guy. He was a nice guy. Um, we were planning on getting married. He had the ring, and I was just waiting for the proposal. 
But there was something over these four years that I just felt like just this little like nudge in my spirit. I didn't fully have peace. I had a good amount of peace, but not full peace, which red flag, God is the author of peace. If you do not have it, I would not yet move on what you're planning to move on. But I just, I, I just couldn't uh, get to the place where I could like be fully certain, you know, that maybe I was supposed to marry him, even though I planned on marrying him no matter what. But because that little nudge in my spirit wouldn't go away, there was one day in 1999 that I asked the Lord, I'm like, I just want to know for sure. So in my 19-year-old's brain, um, or maybe 20, I'm not sure, I said, Lord, okay, if I'm not supposed to marry him, someone has to bring up the story of Abraham and Isaac to me today. Yeah, that's what I said. And, and the reason why I thought of that story to be shared with me was that because at the time in my immaturity, I didn't fully understand the story of Abraham and Isaac. Now I do. But at the time, all I thought was God was being really mean, asking Abraham to sacrifice something that he loved. And so I was like, if you're going to ask me to sacrifice this relationship, then someone needs to bring up the story of Abraham and Isaac to me. And so I gave God a fair shot because here's the situation. I didn't ask for, like, the sun to stand still for 24 hours. I mean, and I didn't, like, go, oh, or be so juvenile. be like, if I hit evergreen light on the way to college today, then I know it's a sign. Like, I didn't do that. I actually gave him, like, a legit Bible story to bring up to me. And I gave him a fair shot because I had Old Testament class that day and Bible study. So it was a realistic possibility. So I go to Old Testament class and got through flying colors. No one brought up Abraham and Isaac. Great, good, down one. And then I was headed to Bible study that evening. But when I arrived at Bible study, there was a note on the door that said Bible study was canceled. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting married. (laughs) And so then I go home, I get ready for bed, turn my lights out. You know, my just going, oh my gosh, I'm getting married. I'm just like thinking about this and I'm praying about it. Um, but that had sealed the deal for me um, until my roommate that I never talked to <laughs> at 10.30 decides to not just knock on my door, but open my door when my light is off and then proceeds to turn on my light at 10.30, the girl I never talked to, and says, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, today we were talking about the story of Abraham and Isaac, and then, <laughs> you guys, and in my, in my immaturity, I just said a lot of curse words at her, and I threw all my throw pillows at her face. And then she shut the door, and I was just screaming, I was just screaming, I'm like, I'm not getting married, and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, uh, four years. He had the ring. He was a good person. And so the next morning, the next morning, I did what Abraham did. Because when God told him to make the sacrifice, he didn't wait around. He got up early the next morning, the Bible says. So then I got up early the next morning, and I made a phone call, and I broke off the relationship with the man I was going to marry. 
before I get to the good part, this is the part John likes, but. It was painful. Four years, not only four years, all the plans and all the things you've thought of in your life, what your wedding day is going to look like, what your kids are going to look like, where you're going to live, all of those things had to be undone. And four years doesn't go away overnight. It was extremely painful. I was heartbroken. He was so confused and heartbroken that I would give away our four-year relationship over a story like that. I'm like, but how could I not? Like, I have to be obedient to God. Like, and, and, and I could be obedient to God despite the pain because I trusted him. He had a good track record with me. I knew that he would be faithful to give me abundantly above all that I could ever hope for or imagine in a man one day. And so I want to tell you today that if we are not willing to experience some pain in this life, we will never lay hold of the promises of God. But here's the thing. So many of us won't accept the pain of obedience, but we will willingly accept the pain and consequences of living in disobedience. It's so confusing. If you had a choice, I would choose the pain of obedience any day over the pain of disobedience. You know why? Because one comes with a blessing and one comes with a curse. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 11:26, they're talking about choosing blessing or obedience, and it literally says this: "Behold, I set before you a blessing and a curse. Which one will you choose?" God is setting before you today an opportunity to choose blessing or cursing. Both, there may be pain attached. But will you be obedient? Will you trust him to know that he's not trying to hurt you and harm you? He's trying to get the blessing of God to you. And so now to get to the part of the story that John really likes was that there would be no John and Becky Heinrichs if I didn't let go of that relationship and experience some pain. And really, when you think about it, there would be no John without Becky. (laughs) Or Becky without John. No one wants to think of a world of the John without Becky and Becky without John. I, for one, don't want to think about that world. So the blessing of obedience. On our wedding day, the scripture I read over him was Ephesians 3.20. You are the immeasurably more than all that I could ever hope for or imagine. But I was ready to settle for mediocrity that would have kept me from the miracle of Johnny Heinrichs. And so in sharing the story, yes, it's entertaining. And you're probably thinking I was crazy to like ask for that story, but how crazy that God answered my prayers. But what I'm saying is please don't minimize this story to just a silly relationship story or just an example for our relationships. This is in every area of your life. What is God asking you to let down? What is God asking you to let go of? What has God asked you to step into? What has God asked you to start? What has God asked you to join? What has God asked you to do? or not do blessing and cursing the choice lays before us all which one will we choose let's dive into another story the story of Isaac 
It's the story about, it's the Isaac that was in the Abraham and Isaac story, but Isaac's alive. So just to calm everyone, I don't have time to share the story, but Abraham did not have to sacrifice Isaac because Abraham trusted God. God provided another sacrifice. And then all the blessing and the the abundance came after Abraham was obedient to Jesus. But that's here nor there for today. I want to talk about Isaac. So this is Isaac. So there's a story about Isaac, and it starts in Genesis chapter 26. It talked about that there was a famine in the land. And when there's a famine in the land, that means they've been in a season of drought because everyone's livestock, their livelihood, their food supply, everything actually comes down to, if there is rain, to... uh, bring the crops and the food and to nourish humanity and their livestock. So in a famine, there's a drought and and people begin to die and animals and livestock and all their provision and their farmlands die. So there's literally lack, there's scarcity. No one can find eggs. (laughs) And so, so because of this, in Genesis 26, two through three, so, so, so Isaac's thinking about relocating to Egypt because they're not in a famine. His land's in a famine. But God tells him this. He says, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, the land where there's famine and lack and no rain. And I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. So listen to this. God trusted God to stay in the land where there was lack, there was famine, there was death and drought. But then he put obedience to his faith in God's word. The Bible says in Genesis 26, 12 through 13, then Isaac sowed in that land. Think about that. He put seed in the ground that was dry and desert-like with no rain. He put living seed in dead soil and the Bible says and reaped in the same year a hundredfold the famine was not over the drought was not over yet he trusted God to stay in a place where there was lack and there was suffering and then he put action to his obedience and put his seed in dry ground that would produce nothing in the natural but then because he trusted God and he obeyed and he acted on his obedience and he put seed in the ground in that same year he reaped 100 fold So many of us want the blessing and then we will sow. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. God is saying, will you sow so that I can bring about the blessing and the supernatural increase, amen? Amen. That's why we never apologize, Tony, about giving in our congregation because we understand it is in your giving, it is in your sowing that the Bible says you shall reap a harvest. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And then the Bible says in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use in your giving, in your sowing, it will be measured back to you. Are you happy with your harvest? 
Are you even giving God a chance to produce a harvest? Will we trust him to bring our tithe, our 10%? Will we trust him to give offerings when he asks us to give offerings? Like Tony said, he's not trying to get something from you. He literally is trying to get something to you because it's his desire to bless his kids. The Bible says that God wants us to have more than enough so that we could give to every good work. He is the God that wants us to have abundantly above. He is the God that says he wants us to prosper and be in health just as our soul prospers. He's the one that wants us to prosper and he's given us the keys and it's our sowing into God's house that's gonna unlock that. We have the opportunity every week to change the kind of harvest we get to reap. But we trust him to sow our seed we don't know when or how or where the blessing is going to come from. But we know who is going to be the blessing. And we can trust him because he is good and he is faithful and he loves you and wants to bless you. It, the principle of sowing into God's house has never failed, John and I. If I actually had to give a testament of every miracle and every breakthrough that happened because of our continued faith and obedience in this area of our life, we would be here for probably 24 hours. You know, God's been so good to us, and I'm going to share these things. And there was a part of me, sometimes I felt uncomfortable to share it. And then God was like, why are you apologizing for the blessing that I've given you? And so... I won't retell the story that Pastor John shared on Wednesday, but many of you know the Lord spoke to us in the summer and, and said, I want you to sell your house, your dream house, the house that you love. Because in doing that, you stepping out in faith to sell your home when you do not know where you're going to go yet will unlock the buildings that you've been believing for for the church. And you've heard the story. The same week we chose to put our house in the market was the same week we found Salvation Army, which is now our Bayho campus. So God fulfilled that part of the prophetic word. It was a huge step of faith. We have three kids. And, and we were selling our home. But there are so many God stories because even the goodness of God in selling the home, we literally sold at the height of the market. The, la the day we went into escrow, the following day we started to see reductions in house prices. We sold our home for $400,000 more than any other home has ever sold in our area. Way above the appraisal price. If you don't think that's God, you need to check your pulse because that is ridiculous. $400,000 more than any other home. So that was like miracle one. We're like, okay, God, that's amazing. But then where are we going to go? We still don't know where we're going to go. It was a couple weeks down to the wire. We had not yet found a place to live and we had to leave our dream home. And I had about a four hour freak out. I usually do that. I don't like freak out for like 24 hours anymore. It's about four hours. I kind of like have some anxiety and I freak out and I just want to have a glass of wine. I'm like, ah! So I freaked out for like four hours, you know, as you do. But then I got back to trusting God. Then I'm like, God, but I trust you. You told us you've already sold the home in the high of the market. I'm going to be amazing. You got a good track record with us. Remind myself of the track record. And then 
just out of the blue, and a beautiful, generous couple from our church goes, oh, we're leaving the States. Why don't you live in our beautiful beach house Cardiff home and no, no worry about rent. Let's just figure out what you wanna do. Just enjoy the house while we're away. So we lived in Cardiff for almost three months, rent free. And then about two to three weeks before we had to be out of there, so we did not have a place to go. Another four hour freak out. And then I'm like, Lord, I trust you. You have a good track record with me. And so then, and then like two weeks before we had to be out of there, another beautiful couple in our church that has the gift of just generosity says, oh, well, we have this home in Coronado that we're wanting to remodel, but it's just sitting there empty. It's fully furnished. Why don't you guys just stay there through the holidays for, and you don't have to be paying any rent. So then we got to spend Christmas season in Coronado rent free. And now we have to be out of that house. So I'm moving again in about two weeks time. And God dropped, we, we literally made one phone call and a property dropped into our lap. It's 11 minutes from my kid's school. They've traveled no less than 40 minutes each way since we've moved. They get to be 11 minutes from their school, plenty of room, dreamy neighborhood, a fraction of the market price we are paying. And we get to stay there month to month until we find our dream home. Like, my God, how good is God? But guess what? This could be your story too. We acted in faith and obedience. We had no idea where we we're gonna live. We had no idea how long it would take for our dream home, but God has miraculously and supernaturally provided along the way. This is not because we're pastors. I know some of you are thinking, it must be nice. It has been nice. It's been freaking awesome. But you know what? It was real hard to let go of our dream home and start packing boxes and not know where I was going. And then to do that again and again and a third time, it's been a great adventure. I've loved it. We've had so much fun. It's not because we're pastors. It's because we apply the word of God. We listen to his voice. We sought wise counsel, by the way. I need to clarify. Don't just do what we did. No, God confirmed the word. We felt it, we sought wise counsel, word was confirmed, and actually we got a prophetic word that we were moving into a territory and God saw a new house for us to let go of the one we were in. So we actually didn't just go by the seat of our pants. We get into real big trouble when people say, God told me, but there's no scriptures to back it up. It actually is in alignment with this word of God and then now they won't listen to wise counsel because God told them. And then they end up in a mess and they wonder why. Every single time we have done something crazy, we got either confirmation through a prophetic word or wise counsel. We have never gone on our own. The only time we did is when we bought 13 properties and that was a mess. So please like hear me today. Don't be like, oh, let's do what John and Becky did. Don't, unless God told you and confirms it. But man, it's because we've applied his principles like we can all do. We sow every single week with our tithes and with our offerings. And I believe we are extremely generous with our offerings and not just with giving to the church. We give to people when they buy new houses. Oh, let me get your outdoor furniture. I'll take care of the painting costs on your house. We'll do this. We sow into people because we wanna actually reap a harvest of those things. We have sown into so many people's houses. I expect, because I know my God, that we are gonna have the most epic house and I'm not sure when, and that's okay with me because God is good and he is faithful. We have sown too great to reap cheaply. Are you liking your harvest?
What if everything you were believing for was on the other side of your obedience? Think about that. What if everything you've been believing for is just on the other side of your obedience? I want to ask you this. Is there a time limit to your obedience? Can we, can we pass the trust test of time when it comes to believing God? we start out strong and we believe him to fulfill his promises in faith and we put our actions to our obedience and then over the test of time we give up on the word the word is still there the word still stands you just stop standing on it will you will you will you let go of your promise will you give up your destiny will you give up on your miracle because too much time has passed did you know the story of Joseph in the dream his dream, he went through, a, he, he was given the dream. He went through incredible hardship. His, his brothers sold him into slavery. He became a slave. And then he was falsely accused of rape. And then he was thrown in a prison. But oh God, the promise. You said I would, I would have all these things and everyone would be bowing down before me and I would do, you know. Do you know every time a hardship came to Joseph in, in the Bible, it says, and God was with him. God was with him in Potiphar's house. God was with him in the prison. God was with him in the palace. Joseph never gave up. And it was 22 years before he saw the fruition of the dream and the promise. What if Joseph had given up? His whole family and an entire nation would have died in the famine because he was the one that had the strategy to save a nation and his family. More things are at stake on the other side of obedience than are just us. Who's supposed to be blessed on the other side of your obedience? Abraham was told that he would have his promised son Isaac 25 years uh, before Isaac came. And he had a little blip there about the 14 year mark. He kind of lost hope in the promised Isaac. And he and he, for a moment, didn't trust the Lord to fulfill it. So at the 14-year mark of waiting, and who can blame the guy? It's 14 years. That's a long time to wait. He took his wife's maidservant and slept with her that brought forth Ishmael, who was not the promised son, but God. A moment of weakness, God still gave him his promised son, but at the 14-year mark, it wasn't until the 25-year mark that Isaac came. Is there a time limit to our trust and obedience in God? Have you missed out temporarily on the miracle, on the promise, on the blessing, or the favor of God because too much time passed and you let that dream die or you gave up on it? Can I tell you today, the promise is right here. God still believes it can happen. Do you? Remember, God is trustworthy. God is faithful. He is for you. He will never fail you. He has good plans for you to give you hope and a future exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever hope for or imagine. Won't you put your trust back in his hands today and believe and stand on the promise? that will come to pass. What's on the other side of your obedience? Your promise. Your promise. Amen. Amen.
want to pray. God, I thank you for this message today, God, that you gave me to encourage my soul. God, but to also encourage others. Lord, I thank you today that people are remembering how good you are, how faithful you are. Lord God, that they are regaining their trust in you so that they can be obedient to the things that you have called them to. Lord, I pray today that you are speaking to every heart and mind in this place. God, that you are speaking to them on what they need to lay down or maybe what they need to pick up or where they need to go, who they need to go with. God, what they need to start or what might need to come to an end. God, and we can act in obedience because we trust you and you can only give us good and perfect things. So God, I thank you that as we put our trust in you and we obey the word that you have given us, even the word you've spoken to us today, God, despite the pain that may follow, God, we know that it will come with a blessing. Help us be strong, stay true to the word, stay true to ourselves, and stay true to your path. And Lord, I pray for the ones in here today that have never surrendered their lives to you. Do you know that the simple act of receiving an invitation that Jesus is offering you to be forgiven and saved, a simple act of acknowledging Jesus in your heart, a simple act of lifting your hand during an altar call at the end of a service, that simple tiny act has the power to bring you to a place where your destiny was headed towards hell into heaven by the simple act of obedience of receiving the free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. If you are in here today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus and you know you need to, I wanna ask, would you be obedient today to respond to his invitation, the invitation that will change your entire life? So if that's you today and you wanna receive that invitation, a simple act of obedience of just lifting your hands so I know who to include in my prayer. If you are in here today and you want to receive that, yes, I see your hand right there. Praise God. Who else? Lift your hand. Yes, I see your hand, sir, right there by the rail. And you down here on the floor in the yellow, I see you. So proud of you. Up in the back. Okay, I actually see the white sweater, the tan jacket. I see your hands. I see your hands. And another hand, I see you. Yes, in the flannel next to the rail. Who else am I waiting on? I see you, sir, in the jacket right there on the rail. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I saw your hand. Who else am I waiting on? I'm coming over. Yes, I see you all the way up the back. I see three hands up the back over there. Yes, praise God. Yes, you're right there on the floor. So proud of you. Yes, you too in the gray sweater. And right here on the end in the glasses right here on the floor. So gorgeous. Thank you. Who else am I waiting on? Simple act of obedience is going to change your whole life. Yes, I see you right there against the rail in that light pink shirt. Yes, I see those. Praise God. Who else am I waiting on? Thank you, Jesus. Yes, so much hand. Yes, over the back. I see you right there. I think it's a green, gorgeous shirt. I see your hand. 
Who else am I waiting on? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Thank you, Lord. All right, maybe you haven't had enough time to raise your hand, but you wanted to. But that does not mean you have to be excluded from this prayer. We are all going to pray this prayer together as a church, especially those of you who lifted your hand. And I need you to know the simple act of praying this prayer has saved your life from destruction, has has grasped your your life from uh, an eternity in hell into heaven. Now you have a relationship with Jesus where the abundantly above can start taking place in your life. So everyone, let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word, for your truth, for your son, Jesus. I thank you that he paid the penalty for my sin on that cross so that I could be forgiven. Thank you for receiving me, for forgiving me, for giving me a hope and a future. Help me live a life obedient to you that will bring forth the supernatural blessing, favor, and miracles I desire. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So many of you lifted your hand. So proud of you. We're so proud of you. The best decision you could have ever made in your entire life. So those of you who lifted your hand, one more act of obedience. Here's the thing. You can rush out. You're saved. Absolutely. But if you really want to learn how to walk with Jesus and truly transform all the areas of your life, we have a response lounge. So if you lifted your hand, if you would be so gracious just to see one of my friends in there, they actually want to give you a Bible and they want to give you a book. And if you have any questions at all or need any prayer, they will be the ones that will do that with you. So we love you so much, church. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.